1: At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry.
0: Oh, my word. Really,
1: really terrible. Is that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, no, no, Jerry, it's over. This is an American Crime Cast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org.
0: In small towns around the world, there exist museums that hold artifacts that change the world. With each episode, we bring to you one historian that will tell you the story behind such an artifact. Whether it represents a person or event, either way, it has its place in world history. Welcome to the Hometown History Podcast.
1: My name's Cole Reeves. I'm board president of the Fairmount Historical Museum. I got started here uh, because I do, used to do restoration work on furniture and antiques and what have you and did work for the museum and then gradually got on the board and then I guess this is my fifth year as president.
0: In an area 90 minutes northeast of Indianapolis rests a small town named Fairmount. At first glance, it may seem like any old, small, sleepy town off the beaten path, but while driving through this town of less than 3,000, one might just be surprised by two larger-than-life people who called this place home.
1: Fairmount uh, Museum was formed in uh, 1975 because of school consolidation, and uh, the old high school had tons of old photographs and whatever that were going to be scrapped, so some Local people decided they didn't want that to happen, so they gathered all that, uh, all the old trophies and uh, senior pictures and whatever, and uh, formed a museum to display all those items in. And uh, initially, it was downtown above one of the uh, old storefronts. And then in um, 1977, they purchased this building, which uh, was a doctor's uh, Victorian home. And, uh, the smaller building next door was where his practice was. Then in 1983, this building became the uh, official residence of the museum and the James Dean display and everything came in at that time. One of my personal favorites is, uh, at the time of his death, he had a phone list on his desk and, uh, uh, it's just a piece of paper, relatively tattered and it has doodles all over it. Uh, but, uh, Anyway, it's a virtual who's who of young Hollywood. Uh, uh, Liz Taylor and uh, people like that are on the phone list. And uh, then in amongst all that, uh, because the fans tend to elevate him above humanity, I guess. But it's a very humanizing piece of paper because in amongst all the friends and family that are on there are his dry cleaner, his exterminator, It is what it is. It's a young man's phone list of friends, family, and needs. And it's just a very humanizing piece of paper.
0: This autobiography was written by James Dean himself to his high school principal in 1948. Something to keep in mind is, as there is none in Fairmount, James Dean was technically born in the hospital located in Marion, Indiana. I, James Byron Dean, was born February 8, 1931, Marion, Indiana. My parents, Winton Dean and Mildred Dean, formerly Mildred Wilson, and myself existed in the state of Indiana until I was six years of age. Dad's work with the government caused a change, so Dad, as a dental mechanic, was transferred to California. There we lived until the fourth year. Mom became ill and passed out of my life at the age of nine. I never knew the reason for Mom's death. In fact, it still preys on my mind. I always had lived such a talented life. I studied violin, played in concerts, tap danced on theater stages. But most of all, I liked art. To mold and create things with my hands. I came back to Indiana to live with my uncle. I lost the dancing and the violin... But not the art. I think my life will be devoted to art and dramatics. And there are so many different fields of art, it would be hard to foul up. And if I did, there are so many different things to do farm, sports, science, geology, coaching, teaching music. I got it. And I know if I better myself, that there will be no match. A fellow must have confidence. When living in California, My young eyes experienced many things. It was almost my luck to make three visiting trips to Indiana, going and coming a different route each time. I have been in almost every state west of Indiana. I remember all. My hobby, or what I used to do in my spare time, is motorcycle. I know a lot about them mechanically, and I strive to ride. I have been in a few races and have done well. I own a small cycle myself. When I'm not doing that, I'm usually engaged in athletics, the heartbeat of every American boy. As one strives to make a goal in a game, there should be a goal in this crazy world for all of us. I hope I know where mine is anyway. I'm after it. I don't mind telling you, Mr. Dubai. This is the hardest subject to write about, considering the information one knows of himself, I ever attempted." The following is a biography, written on the jamesdean.com website, controlled by the estate of James Dean. James Dean was born February 8, 1931 in Marion, Indiana, to Winton and Mildred Dean. His father, a dental technician, moved the family to Los Angeles when Jimmy was five. He returned to the Midwest after his mother passed away, and was raised by his aunt and uncle on their Indiana farm after graduating high school he returned to california where he attended santa monica junior college and ucla james dean began acting with james whitmore's acting workshop appeared in occasional television commercials and played several roles in films and on stage in the winter of 1951 he took whitmore's advice and moved to new york to pursue a serious acting career he appeared in seven television shows In addition to earning his living as a busboy in the theater district before he won a small part in a broadway play titled see the jaguar in a letter to his family in fairmount in 1952 he wrote i have made great strides in my craft after months of auditioning i am very proud to announce that i am a member of the actor's studio the greatest school of the theater it houses great people like marlon brando Julie Harris, Arthur Kennedy, Mildred Dunnock, very few get into it, and it is absolutely free. It is the best thing that can happen to an actor. I am one of the youngest to belong. If I can keep this up and nothing interferes with my progress, one of these days I might be able to contribute something to the world. Dean continued his study at the actor's studio, played short stints in television dramas, and returned to Broadway, in the immoralist 1954 this last appearance resulted in a screen test at warner brothers for the part of cal trask in the screen adaptation of john Steinbach's novel east of eden he then returned to new york where he appeared in four television dramas after winning the role of jim stark in 1955's rebel without a cause he moved to hollywood in february he visited his family in Fairmount with photographer Dennis Stock, before returning to Los Angeles. In March, Jimmy celebrated his Eden success by purchasing his first porch and entered the Palm Springs Road races. He began shooting Rebel Without a Cause that same month, and Eden opened nationwide in April. In May, he entered the Bakersfield race and finished shooting Rebel. He entered one more race in Santa Barbara, before he joined the cast and crew of Giant, and marfa texas james dean had one of the most spectacularly brief careers of any screen star in just more than a year and in only three films dean became a widely admired screen personality a personification of the restless american youth in the mid-1950s and an embodiment of the title of one of his films rebel without a cause en route to compete in a race in salinas James Dean was killed in a highway accident on September 30, 1955. James Dean was nominated for two Academy Awards for his performances in East of Eden and Giant. Although he only made three films, they were made in just over one year's time. Joe Himes, in the James Dean biography, Little Boy Lost, sums up his career. There is no simple explanation for why he has come to mean so much to so many people today. Perhaps it is because in his acting, he had the intuitive talent for expressing the hopes and fears that are a part of all young people. In some movie magic way, he managed to dramatize brilliantly the questions every young person in every generation must resolve.
1: The Winslow family that owns all of the uh, James Dean display, um, they, they had all that, and yet, you know, they didn't have a museum of themselves, and so they thought, well, this was a good, I- a good idea to both help the town and bring in tourism, and, and, uh, uh, and it was a good secure place, you know, to display the, um, all the James Dean artifacts. So we have his first and last motorcycle. Both of those are very interesting. The one from his childhood is a little uh, Czechoslovakian uh, one-cylinder bike. I don't know what its top speed would have been. couldn't have been great. Uh, but uh, by all accounts he was uh, a wild man on it uh, that he would come shooting out of the cornfields and across the county roads flat out that was his thing speed and and daredevil I would guess he would have been 15 or 16 when he got that bike the uh, other bike is a uh, uh, triumph 550 that was he purchased in uh, 1955 the summer before he was killed and then uh, uh, he wrote it on the movie lots and it was never plated so it never his name never appeared on the title and then uh, After his death, it was sold back to the dealership and resold And uh, in the 1980s. I don't have a specific date. um, The family hired a detective to see if they could track it down, and he found it sitting in a fellow's front yard for sale as a dirt bike, but the engine and frame were still intact. And so he uh, said they were negotiating price, and he said something that he'd like to found one in better, more complete condition. Well, the guy that owned it said, well, don't worry about that. And they went out in the barn, and he hadn't everything and it was so it was actually recovered in about 95 percent original all original bike and so what you see is everything jimmy would have seen and it was missing very very minor parts and uh, that that's a great achievement just amazing that it survived according to legend anyway uh, he was largely uh, unscripted in uh, rebel without a cause at the beginning of the uh, they were trying to figure out how to start the movie out. Jimmy said, let, let me try this, and, and he laid down in the street and had the little monkey with the symbols, and they did that in one take. It's kind of a classic movie moment, and yet it was his, his creation, you know, uh, just offhand like that. And the rest of the movie, as I understand it, he was largely unscripted. You know, they gave him direction, and then away he went his uh, family uh, during the filming of east of eden they were receiving reviews from people that worked with him and knew him and and uh, uh talking about what a great actor he was going to be and and was in the east of eden so when the family saw the premiere of the movie they were a little surprised and someone asked him you know what they thought and they said well said uh, yeah, it's good acting, but that's not really acting said so that is Jimmy he said that uh, the, he was he was the character that he was portraying and uh, the kind of the disaffected youth um you know on uh, not life going the, the direction he wanted it to go. Apparently that was his basic personality, you know. During the filming of Giant Course Racing had become a passion with him and uh, he had uh one Porsche race car, and he'd blown the engine up in it, and then he'd uh, bought this um, Porsche Spider, and I guess there were very few of them made. Uh, the number 90 sticks in my head. During the filming of Giant, he was prohibited from racing or motorcycling or anything, and by contract, on the like the last day of uh, of after they had filmed, uh, he'd uh, entered. A, into a race and he and a Porsche mechanic uh, were on their way to the race and he was pulled over for speeding on the way to the race was ticketed and then about 45 minutes later uh, they were uh, they were outside of the city of uh, I believe it's pronounced Clomaine, California and uh, there's an odd intersection there and anyway Jimmy was reportedly probably speeding again and then uh, Uh, a uh, young man named uh, Turnipseed came into the intersection and probably didn't even see the little Porsche and uh, uh, went right in front of Jimmy and they collided. Jimmy was pretty much killed instantly. The uh, Porsche mechanic was thrown clear of the car and survived, although badly injured. And uh, that was the end of, of Jimmy. We have people here in Fairmount that have moved to Fairmount just to be near the James Dean mystique. Um, and that's, that's how serious of fans these people are. Just recently, we had a young lady uh, originally from Connecticut, and uh, now she's through work, she transferred to uh, Indianapolis. But part of her reason for accepting that job was to get closer to Fairmount. And, and now she's. Uh, volunteering here when she can when she has time and she's only 34 years old so uh, his mystique is uh, uh, timeless it would it would seem there's there's a letter that he wrote to his cousin Uh, the the cousin would have been um, a child of you know 10 or 12 at that time and uh, you have to put it in context with the time period Jimmy was a child during World War II and then this cousin was a child uh, during the Korean event. Uh, I don't know what had transpired. Uh, I, I think the cousin had sent Jimmy drawings or something of uh, war, war-related drawings. Uh, I don't know if it was planes or tanks or what, but, and then Jimmy had written him a, a very nice letter imploring him to not get too wrapped up in that aspect of humanity uh, basically is what the letter is saying and it, it, it's a very inter- it's a good insight into his thought process I guess uh, of the, at the, at the uh, taken in context of the times and uh, I think it gets overlooked a lot because it takes you're standing outside a case looking and trying to read a three or four page letter but uh, I don't know how often Everybody makes it all the way through there, but it, it's an interesting insight. Those types of things are more interesting to me personally than, you know, some of the movie artifacts per se. Uh, I, I like the more personal item. Certainly, uh, I, I, don't understand who thought to salvage some of this stuff, but, uh, anyone familiar with James Dean, um, there, there's some famous photographs of him, uh, taken during the filming of Giant and he's leaning on uh, a couple of old weathered fence posts and uh, they're leaning at an angle and anyway there's several famous photographs of him standing there like that and uh, we not only have those posts but we have the rock that was laying at his feet. Now who thought to save such items? I I have no idea but it's uh, a stroke of genius actually. An artist named Kenneth Kendall did sculpture out in L.A and uh, Jimmy was walking by his establishment one day and he noticed that uh, this Kenneth Kendall had a, uh, a bust of Marlon Brando in his window. Well, Jimmy went in to see about getting a bust of himself made and they spoke at least that one time, maybe at a later date, but anyway, it, it never came to be during Jimmy's lifetime. Well, after he was killed, then uh, uh, artist Kendall uh, sculpted that bust. That bust appears at the uh, uh, conservatory out in California where they filmed uh, Rebel Without a Cause. And then um, he made one for here in Fairmount, and that the one that we have that we're Talking about used to stand beside the old uh, stage in the Fairmount High School, the drama teacher that had had Jimmy and and uh, helped him a lot with his uh, speech endeavors and one thing and another valued that bust above all things. Other things, I think, and uh, some of us rapscallions we saw to it that uh, the bust always had a lit cigarette in its mouth at every opportunity, and and uh, occasionally he would get stolen and. Uh, Uh, the only place you could go with him if you stole him was put him up in the attic and and, uh, um, his drama teacher would call the town police and the county sheriff and the state police and anybody else she could get a hold of because the bust had been stolen and it was always in the attic but it was good for a chuckle for us uh, troublemakers it's relatively heavy but it's also fragile it's it's amazing that it never got broke but it's uh, that one is not bronze or anything it is uh, um, I'm not sure what the material is but some type of plaster I'm sure
0: about this time in my conversation with cole we started talking about jim davis the american cartoonist best known as the creator of garfield as cole pointed to a large framed picture of jim davis's graduating class at fairmount high school i noticed a familiar face just a couple photos down it was my grandfather benjamin this may sound odd to you but ben passed away when i was a child and i never realized that he was raised in fairmount And certainly had no idea that he graduated with jim davis who by the way has a real name of james
1: well of course mr davis uh, was also born here again he was born in marion because he was born at the hospital but anyway and and raised here just outside of town on a farm as a child he suffered from uh, asthma and consequently in the summertime he couldn't uh, spend a lot of time outdoors so his mother got him into drawing and artistry and encouraged him, his abilities, and uh, then after uh, graduating from high school, he attended Ball State uh, University. I'm not sure what the major was, but anyway, he got into cartooning and worked uh, for another cartoonist for a time, and then he created a, a, a character called Norm Nat, and it uh, he didn't have much success with Norm. He was in a few newspapers, but not, not many. On the advice of another cartoonist, he said, well, no one can relate to bugs. And he said, you got to uh, find something that everybody can relate to. So he thought, well, when he was a kid, he had lots of cats. And so uh, Garfield came into into being. We have here uh, some very early, uh, I, I don't even know if they may even be prototype drawings of Garfield. and. Uh, Garfield initially was a, a very fat cat and didn't have any stripes or anything else. Unlike humans, as Garfield has gotten older, he got uh, cuter and skinnier, And but that doesn't work that way for most of us humans, but anyway, it did for Garfield, and it's worked quite well. According to uh, information that uh, was provided by PAWS, the corporate entity for uh, Garfield, uh, he and um, a fellow student both had the lowest GPA average in their class. And the uh, Mr. Davis was uh, one of them and his classmate was uh, one David Letterman. And uh, so I'd say it worked out pretty well for both of them. We're very fortunate that uh, we've had people donate collections of, of Garfield memorabilia that they had collected. and, and uh, Uh, the good collections, the people never take anything out of the boxes or anything like that. And uh, so we're able to use some of that to switch things up too at times. Toys were designed in-house and then of course they were produced elsewhere. And then the first few off of the uh, uh, production line would um, be returned to pause as prototypes. And that's what we're displaying here is the very early, some of the first of the kind there's one down there that we were given right off the desk of the designer, and uh, that is the very first one. He's still the largest syndicated cartoon in the world. Cartoons and their creators are kind of difficult for from a museum aspect because even here in Fairmount, and now Garfield's you know been in production for forty years. I believe this next year will be his fortieth year. Um, chances are I could ask people 20 people right here in Fairmount, who Jim Davis was and probably 15 of them wouldn't know but if you ask them who Garfield is they all know and I said so it's it's kind of a catch-22 when you say oh we've got a Jim Davis display well everybody looks at you like really but if you say we got a Garfield display everybody knows I said so cartoons and their creators are you know a little odd you know if we had a big neon sign out front said Jim Davis display I don't think we'd draw much attention Uh, but put Garfield on it and we got people every year um, we have a we sponsor a festival uh, here in town the the James Dean run um, which is an enormous car show that comes in it's always the last full weekend in September we hope to have, this year, we hope to have about 1,800 uh, show cars show up. Uh, we've been right near that number uh, every year. It gets a little bigger every year, and uh, this is sponsored by the museum, but uh, the car show is handled by the uh, 9th Street Car Club. They're a charitable organization virtually, other than their operating expenses, every all the money is uh, donated to charities, and... Uh, they also spend some of it improving our park and the the ability to handle a car show of this size. That's at our at down at our park, and then the uptown is uh, we have music musical acts and uh, we have a James Dean lookalike contest and one thing and another up there, and of course the standard uh, elephant ears and and hamburger stands and everything else and, and a carnival and and. Uh, there's always something going on someplace, you know, down at the park or uptown. And uh, it's all free. It's the lifeblood of the museum. that We survive from one festival to the next. That's, that's what keeps us going.
0: This is a quote from James Dean. If a man can bridge the gap between life and death, if he can live on after he's dead, then maybe he was a great man. The Fairmount Historical Museum is located at 203 East Washington Street in Fairmount, Indiana. They can be found online at jamesdeanartifacts.com. The museum is a volunteer organization and is always in need of more volunteers. So if you'd like to become involved, please reach out to them. If you have a suggestion for a museum or a historical society we should feature on this show, please contact me at shane at Visit our home at accproductions.org to see photos from this episode and to explore our other great shows.